Welcome to the Visegrad Inside podcast from Central Europe on Central Europe. Warm, warm greetings to you and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast here at Visegrad Insight. I'm Malik Banat, your host for today, and I'm joined live from Vienna, Wojciech Przybilski. Hello, Wojciech. Hi, I am in Vienna just for, for this month's fellowship at the Institute of Human Sciences. That is absolutely great. And I know you're a very busy man, Wojtek, especially this week. But it's absolutely imperative that we take a moment here to unpack some of the latest analysis uh, from our monthly foresight. The obvious headline, of course, is C returns to school with one of the slowest vaccine rollouts we have seen in the region. Um, the vaccination rate uh, has fallen behind the EU average significantly. And this is already in the context of societal disillusionment with how the government has handled uh, the pandemic, as well as just general COVID fatigue and the potential of another lockdown uh, with the return of school uh, is even more daunting, uh, let's say, for the region as a whole. Um, given that, you know, it's undoubtedly it will take a toll on how on the elections, on the electorate. So uh, the latest uh, report by uh, European Council on Foreign Affairs has an interesting statistic that we mentioned that currently half of Poles um, blame their government and national institutions for the pandemic. So society is definitely more polarized and it's going to show in the polls, Wojtek. So comment uh, a little bit about that. And secondly, of course, uh, there have been a few developments uh, in regards to wars as spat vis-a-vis Brussels and uh, the freezing of EU recovery funds. So start us off here. I think if you mentioned elections, it's important to say now we know as of last week that no, no elections will take place this year. It's now pretty obvious because legally speaking, the state of exception that has been introduced on the Polish border in the about exactly 183 communes across uh, the border with Belarus uh, is a constitutionally, it's a constitutional provision because of which you cannot have elections announced in the 90 days after the state of exception this particular state of emergency is expired. And now we have it for another 30 days with a possibility of extension. Um, in practical terms, as we explained in the, in the monthly foresight, that means that no elections are happening this uh, year. But that doesn't mean that Polish political scene is stable or is being stabilized. In any case, uh, it just uh, uh, brushes things under the carpet for uh, a, wi- a little while longer, while there are other battles um, ensued. Well, one of the battles that everybody's attention was concentrating was before the media law, but now we have an official statement from the representative of the president from yesterday, who says that president will veto the media law as it is, so to protect the interest of relationship with the US. But at the same time, Poland is in a deep trouble from the European Commission, who for the second time said in the last week that no EU funds will be released from the new recovery plan because, exactly because uh, Poland is challenging uh, uh, the the rule of law uh, through the government 
uh, initiative in the constitutional court. What what is clear here is there is definitely you know a chance that the that Poland may utilize the current uh, migration crisis on its border with Belarus uh, to improve its chances of survival. But like noted in the in the foresight that the threat perception remains nonetheless very real. And uh, speaking at last weekend's uh, security conference in Tallinn, Estonia, the Polish chief of defense mentioned that um, the current crisis in Afghanistan should be seen in context with what's happening on Belarus's border with Latvia, uh, Lithuania and Poland. So uh, tell us more about uh, the obvious elephant in the room, Zapad, uh, which we are also going to host uh, an event this Thursday about, uh, moderated by Visegrad's uh, Marcin Zaborowski. Um, yeah, so give us a little bit of what, what, what is the temperature there? The temperature across Central Europe is moderately low, uh, except for Poland and Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, the countries that are usually on alert uh, about anything Russia and now Russia and Belarus does. Uh, I, I think there is a, there is a unnecessary um, uh, overlap of, of two stories that are on the border while we have, and the, obviously, it's not even a migration crisis. It is a, a smuggling crisis. I mean, the, 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 the junta in Belarus is um, uh, importing people from Middle Eastern destinations using their available transports as the planes are otherwise grounded for European or Western destinations. And, you know, they're obtaining some funds, about $10,000, per person to be transported Minsk, accommodated in Minsk uh, in an okay hotel, as we read from different reports, and then sent to the border to cross the border illegally and be pushed through the border in case the Polish guards, uh, border guards or Lithuanian or Latvians um, would find and, and resist it. But it happens, of course, now that uh, there is Zapat, and I think it's more of a Polish, um, Polish government game to amplify the significance of it and to play with the threat of, of what it is, uh, rather than a real military uh, problem. I mean, Zapad exercises have been there every year. Uh, of course, each year there is a dimension of the hybrid war on a, on a very sensitive uh, piece of land uh, connecting Poland and, and Lithuania, which could split, uh, you know, us in, in half and, and divide the eastern flank of NATO. But precisely because there is NATO, precisely there is a response from NATO, that shouldn't be uh, treated with worries, with caution, with uh, definitely with commitment to the to the protection of the borders and protection of the uh, security uh, system as it is with with all the military equipment, but also information diplomacy. But overblowing this is is just uh, playing into the hands of uh, of the opponents. You know, you mentioned it uh, very well that um, in terms of that is truly a smuggling crisis rather than you know say it a migration crisis. Um, and speaking on that, just today um, there was an interesting article from uh, Visegrad Inside. 
new windows into the V4. It's relating to the research conducted by IVO, their most recent report that does some great work on Visegrad countries and public attitudes. That mentioned, uh, we saw a very united stance amongst the V4 during the 2015-16 migration crisis before, but when it comes to the recent tug of war between Hungary and Poland and Brussels, there has been more reservations amidst the, uh, between the V4 and we haven't seen the same joint response. So speaking on that, these internal troublemakers, what can you tell us about Hungary and uh, the as well the upcoming um, elections, political currents, etc. Because just recently we've seen uh, the Budapest mayor, uh, a significant victory for the opposition was, you know, the, the possibility to move forward on the referendum next to the controversial uh, Fudan campus. Well, there is a lot going on in the southern uh, parts of Central Europe. If you, if you, if we take the whole space of Central Eastern Europe or the three seas initiative countries, uh, there is uh, awfully a lot of the political dynamics in the, in the south. It is uh, we can we can focus first on Hungary, where the Pope is visiting. Also this week, there is a, there was a bit of a scandal uh, or scandal on on the behind of the on behind of, behind the, the government. Uh, approach uh, to the visit of the Pope. The, the government wanted to exploit it for its own political uh, campaigning, you know, visit, shake the hands, uh, pay the tribute. But, uh, but this is not, apparently this is not happening and the Pope is uh, keeping his integrity and not to flirt with the liberals that much at least. Uh, we are into very, very deep into the uh, political campaign for the elections next year. We have the primaries, as you mentioned, uh, in the uh, in the primaries. We have Peter Jakob of the Jobbik. We have uh, Clara Dober uh, from um, uh, from socialist group and Gergely Karacson, mayor of Budapest, as the third uh, in the ranking of the opinion polls preference. For in the primaries for the leader of the united bloc of the position. And I think it's, uh, first of all, I mean, still political initiative uh, in communication is still on the side of the opposition here. Uh, Orban is trying to find and, and, and you know, uh, heat up the, uh, the old themes like the Afghan or the whatever migration crisis and to speak to its, his people. And frankly speaking, he, he has such a well-baked uh, dish I mean, he could cooked it up so so well for the number of years. It's just you know, it's a redo, redo of the same, and you always have a response. And the opposition has a lot to do. Kerry um, Karachan, when he was in Poland, he he spoke about door-to-door campaign, which is the basics of political campaigning that needs to be done so much more by the Hungarian oppositions because everybody treat them as a you know like. The, the, they are mis- the disinformation about them is so strong, so they need to overcome the negative campaign. So that is in Hungary, and um, it's going to be very much observed across uh, Central Europe, and especially in Poland, to see if this strategy of the opposition actually works, how it works, and you know, is, is there something to learn from it. But in the meantime, in the larger scale, larger picture, yes, we have the migration uh, as a, an Afghan uh, situation playing into the hands of those who criticize the West, who want to close the border, uh, like overall shut it down, you know, no more migrants. We, in, in Vienna, in Austria, we also had this uh, political communication from Chancellor Kurz, who is exploiting um, the, the difficult situation. Also, 
to to uh, to consolidate his positions, political uh, political positions. But but I think it, as as we started talking about the southern neighbors, it's also important to to see that uh, we might see very soon new elections uh, uh, in Bulgaria. I mean, we definitely see the presidential elections in November. But uh, apparently, the government is not getting anywhere. No new government. No new government still after last early election. So another early election. Uh, might take place in November along with the presidential elections in, in Slovakia. The, there were, there are severe tensions in the coalitions about corruption cases. So they're, they're cleaning the system from the corrupt mafia from, from the previous years. But at the same time, um, that they have a minor coalition partner than the Slovak nationalists who are, um, who are just not even pardoning the, the, the prosecutor who is in control. Of the process and his um, party affiliate uh, of the of the nationalists has withdrew corruption charges on on one of the of their own guys uh, in a way. So so there is a there is a lot of disturbance in the coalition in a fragile coalition, so multi party coalition where where Slovakia is also each time speculating, you know, whether elections might take place because of how shaky the boat is, and and Mr. Babish is also looking into into a vote very soon uh, with his chances and we, as we described also in Visegrad Insight with Alexander Kaczorowski piece, uh, an excellent analysis and account of the campaign, but also the political dynamics in Czechia. Mr. Babish is actually set to win despite uh, he is uh, losing or you know, jointly he will not be the main party, but because of par particular political configuration in this country, he might be actually uh, yet again, the prime minister and be a prime minister in a, you know, again, in a conflict with direct conflict with the commission that, uh, like in the case of Poland, is threatening to withhold funds because of, um, of conflict of interest that Mr. Babish has controlling his business that benefits from EU funding. Well, it seems like we've come a full circle from freezing of EU funds to another. So, uh, thank you so much. Wojtek. Thank you, Malik. Thank you, Malik. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I just would encourage everyone to, to read through uh, the analysis that has been just published in the last two weeks, really. And, and also a lot of goodies coming up. So stay tuned and do subscribe to Visegrad Insight. We have a lot of exciting things coming up for you as well next week from 15th to 17th of September, a three-day event. Uh, we see the return of New Europe 100 Forum, a flagship project by Respublica Foundation, also supported by NED, National Endowment for Democracy. The forum will feature digital experts from all over the CEE, and among the topic of discussion will be disinformation in times of pandemic, the role of internet elves controls, and what can democracy learn from the lessons of COVID-19. You can find the full uh, program on our website as well. We'll be advertising it all over our social media. Next, please welcome Visegrad Insight fellow Albin Sibera, who will touch upon latest developments in Slovenia's political scene, including Prime Minister Janes Jans's efforts to find coalition partners for the ruling SDS party. I think what is remarkable about the political situation in Slovenia 
some 10 months before the parliamentary election next year, is that the situation is highly divided. Now, this is not anything new. Uh, the, the current coalition led by the Prime Minister Yanis Yansha and his SDS uh, has in the past been highly divisive in terms of their attacks on media. Uh, they have been, uh, uh, they have, they have basically been instrumental in, in, in stopping the financing of the Slovenian, uh, press agency. Uh, there's been, uh, there have been efforts to, uh, uh, obstruct activities of various NGOs and, uh, naturally, this had alienated opposition to such an extent that uh, following the uh, departure of the Pensioners Party from the ruling coalition in December of last year, there have been attempts to uh, vote out the uh, cabinet of Yanis Yansha to push the non-confidence vote. These were unsuccessful, but at the same time, they indicate that the ruling coalition does not have enough power to push on with their own agenda. This was best seen in the July voter referendum, in which an original legislation originally pushed on by Yanis Yancha's government was uh, vo rejected in the referendum uh, by the electorate with a wide support of close to 90% uh, of votes and also served as a warning sign, so to speak, to Yanis Yancha that his uh, policies are getting unpopular, even though he, in the pre-election polls or in the current polls, uh, he retain, his party retains the position of uh, the strongest party in terms of uh, support, but his uh, current coalition partners, uh, namely the uh, SMC, uh, are on the brink of uh, electability, of on the brink of uh, possibly entering the, the parliament next year. This brings a lot of attention to the uh, remaining coalition member, the NSI, and as to where exactly are they going to stand in the, as, as the uh, election near and most importantly uh, in the outcome of the election. So it is in this respect that we should uh, observe the statements made by the leaders of the opposition, most notably uh, the left wing, Levitz the left wing party, the LMS of the Yanis uh, uh, predecessor at the helm of the uh, Slovenian government, uh, Maria Šarec, and or other parties such as Alenka Bartušek's party or the Social Democrats, who. Uh, are in, making uh, statements already uh, binding the other parties not to cooperate with Yanis uh, uh, Yansha and uh, his coalition partners. They point out controversial uh, uh, stands of SDS, such as the already mentioned tax on me frequent attacks on media, but also uh, their long-term anti-immigration stands and their close alliance with uh, Viktor Orban's uh, Fidesz, uh, which also in, in the past uh, included reports of uh, covert financing of uh, Orban-linked uh, oligarchs 
in favor of uh, uh, SDS uh, party in Slovenia, uh, as well as SDS-linked uh, 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 individuals and politicians. On the other hand, SDS, Janez Jensha, are already making a statement about uh, their plans for the uh, post-election arrangements in which they clearly stress their anti-immigration rhetoric, the stress on border security, uh, but also uh, uh, the, the, the re- what they refer to as respect to Slovene constitution, which clearly has very uh, ethnocentric and, uh, and uh, patriotic or nationalistic overtones. Now this is as much important for Janez Jancha in terms of his uh, affinity towards Fidesz uh, as much as it is important for him tapping onto the already uh, existing uh, division in a society along the topics such as uh, the national sovereignty, uh, let's say also uh, Eurosceptic perception of uh, the uh, EU uh, majority policies, especially in regard to uh, minorities or immigration. Most recently, Janez Jancha had an exchange of uh, opinions on Twitter in which he uh, positioned himself as a representative of uh, the European Union, for which the current Slovenian presidency is very much useful for him and he discussed uh, the crisis in Afghanistan and the expected uh, influx of refugees from Afghanistan fleeing the violence of of Taliban uh, as something that uh, EU has to be more strict about and has to distinguish about who who is the EU going to accept and who it is not going to accept as a refugee from violence, something which caused a backlash from high-ranking EU representatives such as David Sassoli or Ursula von der Leyen, who pointed out that uh, Janez Jansha is in no position to speak on behalf of EU in this matter. So I think essentially what we are seeing is that there is a build-up of this uh, divisive narrative that we see also in other countries in Central uh, or South and Southeastern Europe, such as, for example, uh, these days in Czechia, which is uh, uh, running up to its own parliamentary election in uh, one month, and where the issue of uh, immigration has been uh, uh, refurbished by the current populist prime minister and his party, Andrei Babish, uh, who were able to, uh, what many com- commentators describe as a uh, uh, resurrection or, or, or restarting uh, its own campaign as at the beginning of the summer they were clearly uh, trailing behind the behind the the, the main challengers the, the liberal center pirates mayor's formation and now according to the latest polls they seem to be ahead in the race add to this Babish's earlier eurosceptic statements and his open praise for Viktor Orban. And I think what we see emerging in both of these cases is a grander narrative, which uh, is attempting to define the Central European region in opposition to the Western parts of the European Union. 
recently Andrei Babiš has also voiced support for Serbia's uh, ascendance to the European Union and stressed that uh, Vucic, uh, that Serbia of Alexander Vucic plays an important role in guarding of the southeastern border of the European Union. And he also added that he doesn't understand why Serbia is not in the EU already, whereby adding on to his uh, grander narrative of EU as doing something wrong in uh, uh, immigration policies, as well as its enlargement strategy.